Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. And it's Bob with Susan sitting in for Greeny. I'm a happy guy today. This might be the most significant day in the NFL draft lead-up process. Why Justin Fields is having day two in terms of his pro day and the team that is right now maybe still considering him with the third pick in the draft, they're going to be there. They are going to have the powers that be there to take a look at Justin Fields up close and personal in a way that they did not at his last pro day. We will see. I can't imagine when they get a look at Justin Fields in person, they're not going to salivate, right? Like you're going to see Justin Fields run the 40. You're going to see him throw with his shorts on. You're going to see him throw the ball all over the field to air. He is going to look tremendous. And then is there any way that that somehow shifts San Francisco to considering Justin Fields and not being locked in on Mac Jones? And what does that do to the rest of the draft board? I'll be very interested to see what happens when on SportsCenter later on tonight, you're watching all of our analysts talk about what Justin Fields looked like in his pro day today and what they think that is going to do to the top of the draft board. Because right now it is time for Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Again, Bob with shoes and sitting in for Greeny here on Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. It's all about quarterbacks, right? Like I'll get to some baseball later on. We'll do some basketball later on. The Nets and the Sixers tonight play, I think, a game that is a real litmus test game as we move towards the playoffs and down the stretch. There's a lot else going on in sports, but, man, every single time you want to go to a telephone call, a triple eight, say ESPN, triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. That's the telephone number. Line up right now. If you want to talk, it seems like the NFL draft quarterbacks and what my team may or may not do is just dominating nationwide sports talk, and that is certainly the case in New York as well because this is the first time I've had an opportunity as the Jets play-by-play guy to be on the radio to weigh in on what happened with Sam Darnold and the eventual pick of Zach Wilson as well. And look, if you're a Jet fan, I don't think there's any reason for you not to be optimistic. Okay, that's the jumping-off point here. And that really is for me, the straight talk, that I'm trying to be happy. I am a happy guy. I'm happy for Sam Darnold. I'm happy that Sam Darnold is getting another opportunity with a team that is going to put a massively better cast of characters around him than he ever had in three years here. All right, I said this the other day. Think about this. The best player that Sam Darnold played with skill-wise with the Jets in three years will probably be the fourth best skill guy he will play with when he steps on the field in Carolina. Think about that. The Jets in three years could not put a better player around Sam Darnold skill-wise than a walk-on free agent from Temple. And yet Sam Darnold is now going to go to Carolina. He's going to see Christian McCaffrey behind him in the backfield, leaking out into the flat left or right. He might get seven or 800 extra yards passing, just throwing four-yard passes to Christian McCaffrey and letting Christian McCaffrey do what Christian McCaffrey's going to go do. Or he's got DJ Moore. The last time the Jets had a 1,000-yard receiver was Brandon Marshall and uh, Eric Decker in 2015. The last two years, I think Moore's been an 1,100-yard receiver. Right, And on top of that, he's got Robbie Anderson, who he threw 11 touchdown passes to in two years with the Jets. I don't think he's done better than the 11 touchdown passes he threw to Robbie Anderson in two years with the Jets, even to Jamison Crowder in three years. So Sam Darnold is going to go to Carolina. They're going to have those weapons, and they've got the eighth pick. What if they draft Jamar Chase? What if they draft Devontae Smith? What if Kyle Pitts somehow, it would be mind-numbing if this happened, what if he slid all the way to eight and they take him? Or maybe they take a tackle. Maybe Rashawn Slater is there. 
You know, maybe somehow Penny Sewell slides all the way to eight, and they give him a bookend tackle to go along with these better skill guys. So I am happy for Sam Darnold that he is going to get an opportunity to do something with a different cast of characters than he ever had the opportunity to do in New York. Having said that, as just the happy guy that I am, I'm also happy that the Jets are resetting the quarterback clock and getting a young quarterback that I think they believe is going to be every bit as good as Sam Darnold could be, but he's much more financially on the timeline of where their roster build is. Right? Like Next year, even if Sam Darnold was the quarterback of the Jets, even if they would have taken the second pick of the draft and traded down and gotten a boatload for the second pick from some other team. I've got a note on that, by the way. I'll give you that in a second. Even if they would have done that, the Jets still next season, realistically, are in the rebuild process. They're still probably not going to be that good. So getting a young quarterback that they don't have to pay a ton to right now, that you can allow to go out there, grow, make mistakes, but learn from them at at a time where it's not critical because you're still in a rebuild process, Zach Wilson, I'm fine with that. And I'm also happy for Zach Wilson that even in the jumping off point as a rookie, he is going to be supported massively more than the Jets supported Sam Darnold. If he's got Denzel Mims healthy, which Sam Darnold did not, it's almost like Denzel Mims is going to do his rookie year all over again. They didn't have training camp the way that we traditionally know training camp last year. And even when they did, Sam Darnold didn't have Denzel Mims on the field because the first time Denzel Mims tried to practice, he pulled his hamstring. Then the first time he tried to come back off of one hamstring injury, he pulled the other one. So we were saying that the Jets had given Sam Darnold some help by giving him Denzel Mims. Well, they never practiced together until midway through the season. So it's almost like Zach Wilson is being given Denzel Mims. I would think they would also give Zach Wilson another skill guy help, right? I mean, I would think they're probably going to draft him some, you know, certainly some offensive line help. He's going to come in the door with an established left tackle who as a second-year player should be better and healthier than he was as a rookie. He's also got Corey Davis. He's got Keelan Cole. And those are already two better wide receivers than Sam Darnold ever had. And Jamison Crowder is still a very shifty, serviceable slot guy. So if you look at all of this in totality, I'm happy for Sam. He is going to go get a fresh start with a much better group of support staff around him. I'm happy that the Jets have a general manager that very much believes that this is the guy that he should be building around. I'm happy that this young guy, when he takes over for the Jets, is going to have a lot more support than Sam Darnold ever had. And I think I'm also happy that they have a young quarterback that resets the financial clock that's much more in tune with what the Jets are going to try to do in their own roster rebuild. So how about that? I represent Jet Nation, and I'm happy. I mean, to me, is there like a greater dichotomy out there? Like, when was the last time Jet Nation could be categorized as happy? It's been a while. I don't know if you're as happy as I am. You can give me a call and tell me. At uh, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So that's the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Uh, When we come back, I'll line up some telephone calls. We'll certainly dive more into the impact that Justin Fields' pro day today could have on the top of the draft. I'll let you know what I think that the 49ers should do anyway. And, uh, and I'll also throw another little 49ers-Jets tidbit at you that I think is very, very interesting and plays towards the top of this draft and what both 
I think, have done and ultimately are going to do. So, again, it's Bob Oshusen in for Greeny. We'll come right back, get some telephone calls in, and we'll also go up and down Mel Kuyper's mock draft. Also coming up in the next hour at 1130, we're going to talk to Mike Tannenbaum. So I'll talk to Mike T, and I'll get his thoughts on how this draft should shake out. It's going to be a busy two hours. I can't wait to get it started, and we will kick it off when we come back. Bob Oshusen in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. All right, we'll get to the phones in a sec. One thing I did want to throw out there, though, I'm wondering how a Jet fan feels about this, how a 49ers fan feels about this, and if a Dolphins fan feels like they might have gotten away with one. Um, When the Dolphins and Niners made the big trade and the Niners moved up to the three spot, I know Adam Schefter came out with a report that the 49ers never called the Jets, like never really engaged them in any kind of talks, significant or otherwise. Just really no contact, no interest in trying to get to the number two pick. And that always befuddled me. And it just kind of faded away into the background that everybody started talking about Mac Jones. And it was kind of like that just went away. And I did a little poking around and found out that, A, yes, Adam Schefter's right, that the 49ers never called the Jets and engaged in any serious talks about getting to two rather than three. Here's the thing that struck me, though. I did talk to someone who would know who said that if the 49ers had called the Jets and offered them the same package to get to two that it took to get to three, Jets would have taken it. They would have probably taken it. And Sam Darnold would still be the quarterback of the Jets, and the Jets would have taken those extra number ones and looked to trade you know, it looked to build around Sam. And, you know, there was enough, I think, momentum in the building in Florham Park where, like, I think Sam probably, there was a price that someone could have come up to number two. And I think it might have been the same price that the Niners used to get to three, but they never called. So if you're a 49ers fan and you know you could have the second pick instead of the third pick and not giving up anything extra, does that bother you? Or were your guys just so set on, say, Mac Jones and they knew the Jets were set on Zach Wilson and that was it? But I thought it was really interesting to hear someone say that if the Niners had offered the Jets the same thing, that there's a very good chance the Jets would have taken it. Now, there's also this you know, connection between the Jets coaching staff and the 49ers. 
Robert Sala and the entire Jets coaching staff used to be in San Francisco. So it's not hard to think that there was some back and forth. And if the momentum heading towards that big trade with Miami was, look, the Jets just love Zach Wilson, and they're going to stay put. And they do. The Jets don't look at the fact that they didn't get a chance to make that trade as a big negative. They really like Wilson, I believe, and are very excited to take him. And I think they think he's got even a higher ceiling than Sam Darnold. Even as Sam Darnold, the number three pick, not Sam Darnold, the beat-up prospect of the last three years. But this whole thing could have changed, potentially, if the 49ers had made a push to try to get to two. And then what would have happened? Now, there are so many of those what-would-have-happened stories in the NFL draft, and that is one as we head now towards Justin Fields' second pro day today. And Justin Fields, with 49ers brass in attendance, could he do something today to shake up what the Niners think about him and Mac Jones and change the top of the draft? It's a fascinating time of year. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So let's hit the phones. Phil in the Bronx joins us first here on ESPN Radio, Bob Shoes and filling in for Greeny. Hey, Phil. Bob, you're the best love when you cover. So the Jets are two, obviously, a quarterback. But what, optimally, do you think they're going to do with their next two picks? For me, it would be O-line and running back, unless Newsom fell to them, and they could get him in the 20s. What yeah, do you think? I think you hit on three very clear needs. They absolutely need another corner. They absolutely need help on the offensive line. They certainly could use a running back. And they did bring in Carl Lawson in free agency, but if a pass rusher were to drop down, I think when you're picking 23rd, and that's obviously the Seattle pick that they got in the Jamal Adams trade, when you're picking 23rd, there is going to be a little bit of let's let the board dictate where we go rather than drafting for a need. And if you you have one of those pass rushers, say in the 12, 13, 14 spot on your board, and that guy shows up at 23, You're probably taking him even if you just did bring in Lawson in free agency. You're compelled based on how much you think that guy now is a value pick based compared to where you had him. So it's a good question, but um, look, they need a lot. All right, they could use another pass rusher. They absolutely could use interior help on their offensive line. They they really have nothing at running back right now outside of LaMichael Pirine. They brought in Tevin Coleman, but... Neither of those guys is a bell cow running back. Those are support guys at running back. Um, and corner? I mean, Bryce Hall played half a season last year, and he's their number one corner coming back next, this season, as far as I can tell. So they definitely need help at corner as well. So all of those are in play when you're picking at 23. Let's go to Mike in Georgia. Joins us next on ESPN Radio. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? Good. I have a... I have a question. Um, I, I hear the Falcons, they might trade back in the draft. They might take Kyle Pitts. Um, I, have a, I have a concern with the running game. Like, what do they, what do, they do there? Say it again. What do you want to, what do, you want to do? I, I want them to fix the running game. What do you think the Falcons fix, fix the running game? Fix the running game? It, well, so you want yes, them sir. with the fourth pick in the draft to take a running back? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm asking what are they going to do about their running game? Oh, I well, don't want them to take a running back number four. No, you can't take a running back number four. Um, here's, here's one thing I'll say about Kyle Pitts. That people still are looking at Kyle Pitts in the, like the framework of being a tight end. You cannot think of Kyle Pitts as a tight end. Kyle Pitts is 
a massively more important talent than trying to pigeonhole him and say, well, we can get a tight end later in the draft. He's just different level. Uh, this is what I've garnered from talking to scouts, um, you know, some GMs that I've come across. I think if you took 100 scouts and you put them in a room and did a little drill, said, all right, guys, take out a piece of paper, secret ballot. You have to write the name down of one of the top 15 players in the draft right now that you think is going to the Hall of Fame. And we can throw you all in the DeLorean and do a back to the future and fast forward 15 years. One guy, let's do, this is the exercise. One guy out of the top 15 guys in this draft is going to go to the Hall of Fame. And you have to bet your career, right, your mortgage, a very large amount of money, and you get one guess. And 15 years from now, we'll fast forward, we'll see who's right, but you have to write that name down on a single a secret ballot right now. I think there would probably be an even split between Trevor Lawrence and, uh, and Kyle Pitts. Now, you'd get some other guys sprinkled in. Obviously, you'd get Penny Sewell sprinkled in. You'd get some guys that just fall in love with a certain guy. But I think the preponderance of secret ballots would be for Kyle Pitts. That's how good he is. If these guys had to pick, now you take positional value out of it, how important the quarterback is. If you're Jacksonville, you have to take Trevor Lawrence. You have no choice. If you're the Jets, you have to take Zach Wilson. You have no choice, just trade away your quarterback. You have to have a quarterback. So I get it. But if you take all of that out of the argument and you just say to 100 scouts, who's the best player in this draft? If you had to pick one guy that's going to go to the Hall of Fame, who would it be? I bet the majority of them would say Kyle Pitts. That's how good the, the collective of looking at the draft thinks he's going to be. So if you took Kyle Pitts fourth, as crazy as it sounds, with a quarterback need on the board, I would not have a problem with that. I think if he, Kyle Pitts falls to the Dolphins, like say the Dolphins stay at six, and they don't do the trade-up that Mel Kuyper was talking about in his mock to go to four, and they just take Kyle Pitts at six, yeah, I think they probably would do that. I think by the time Kyle Pitts gets down to six, seven, or eight, you're going to have people in those draft rooms going, hey, everybody, like we've got this guy as the number one talent on our board. He's not our number one need, but he's the number one talent. He's available at six, at seven. If you're the Panthers, you just brought Sam Darnold in. Kyle Pitts somehow falls to eight. I can't see it happening, but if he did, I think they would take him. He's not getting out of the top ten because a lot of scouts think he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Let's go to Eric in New York. Joins us next here on ESPN Radio. Bob Wachusen in for Greeny. Hey, Eric. Hey, Bob. How are you? Good. Good. Um, just uh, wanted to talk about what the Jets could potentially do at 23 and 34. Um, I really like the offensive guard out of Ohio State, Wyatt Davis, at uh, 23. Um, I know it might be a little bit of a reach at that spot for an interior lineman. Um, and I think Travis Etienne could potentially fall for them at 34, given what the running back market is in the draft. Um, I think those two things would really help, assuming they go, Zach, you know, go with Zach Wilson at two like we all expect they will. Um, you know, I just wanted to see what you thought You might about be right. I, I personally think that Davis and Etienne both are more the 34 pick than the 23. I think if you took either of those guys 23, that would be a little high for me. Now, that's not saying that they might not have those guys that high on their board. I would not take a running back in the first round. Just philosophically speaking, if you look 
at the sample size of running backs in the last six, seven, eight years that are the top running backs in the NFL, the majority of them not drafted in the first round. Many of them drafted in the second, third, some even deeper in the draft than that. So it, to me, it's, it's, that's an overvalue at that position, as good as I think ETN can be. And I don't think he'll go in the first round. Or if he does, it'll probably be after 23. But I do like the idea of addressing the offensive line. And it's not a sexy pick, but the Jets' interior offensive line has to be improved. There's no question. Ethan in New Jersey joins us next on ESPN Radio. Hey, Ethan. Doing? What's happening? Uh, I'm just wondering, kind of banking off that last question, uh, you know, last year Joe Douglas was sort of bouncing around with all of his picks. Do you think it's a possibility with them having so many picks in the top 100 even to package a couple of those together? and, you know, move around the draft a little bit. Oh, he could do that. 100%. And they have enough draft capital that they absolutely could move around and try. And, like, if, if you that, – that's what having 21 picks in the next two years gives you the freedom to do. And you watch your board. That, that's where how you set your board with compared to where you're picking comes into play. If you've got the 34th pick, which they do, and a guy that's – 20th or 21st on your board for whatever reason is still available at say 30 31 you take a couple of picks if you think a team in front of you might be looking at the same guy and you jump up and you go get him that's what you do so yeah there's no doubt that the, the the draft capital that they have gotten from the Jamal Adams trade now from the Sam Darnold trade they've, they've stockpiled a decent amount of flexibility for themselves over the next couple of years not I don't think that they're just going to with these 21 picks just go out and draft 21 players I mean traditionally that's not how it's done you're right you will see a guy at some point drop that you have a higher value on and you use a couple of picks and you go up and get them Dwayne in South Carolina joins us next year on ESPN radio hey Dwayne hey how you doing Good. please help give me some ammunition here I'm talking <laughs> with some people in a Dallas chat and they're actually talking about if he drops down to 10, that the Cowboys will get pits, Kyle Pitts. Okay. I'm fussing with them telling them, no, look more towards G.C. Horn or a cornerback or something. Please help me out. <laughs> well, I would say two things. A, I don't think he's going to get to you at 10. If you wanted to go get him, you'd have to trade up to get him. B, I do agree with you. The Cowboys need defense and certainly the secondary more than they need offense. So I'm on board with all of that. But I would say the third option, which is the least likely option, and that is you stay at 10 and he just falls and you're sitting there looking at Kyle Pitts with the 10th pick. I'm just telling you, in spite of the fact that the Cowboys don't need another skill guy, if they took him, I wouldn't have a problem with it because I think he's going to be that good. I think there is – so the guys on your chat right now, if they're listening and they want to come back at you and say, see, I told you so, they'll probably come back at you and say, see, I told you so, because the guy on the radio didn't agree with you because I think he's going to be that good. Like I told you before, I think scouts by and large think there's a very good chance if one guy out of the top 10 or 15 players in this draft were to emerge as a surefire Hall of Famer, they would probably put their money right now on Kyle Pitts. I think he would get as many if not more votes than anyone including Trevor Lawrence or any of the quarterbacks. I think he's that good. I think they think he's going to be that good. So if you have a chance to get a guy that the majority of personnel people in the NFL think is a great shot to go to the Hall of Fame, even if it's not a position of need, 
you probably push the button and you draft them. Triple eight, say ESPN, triple eight, seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. We got some open lines and Greeny is brought to you by 303 products, premium protectants and cleaners. Keep your car looking like new longer. Bob shoes in for Greeny. We'll get to some NBA and a little bit of baseball later on as well. We've got a lot of folks that want to talk about the draft. And, you know, it's funny. I'm listening to all of our own draft analysts. It's fun to hear all of the different opinions, right? Like, what, are the Jets going to take Zach Wilson? Yes. And would you, you know, during the season it was looked upon as an absolute disaster that they won a game or two and couldn't take Trevor Lawrence. And then on NBC, you get a guy like Chris Sims that says this about Zach Wilson compared to Trevor Lawrence. It's not an indictment on Trevor Lawrence. He's a really damn good football player. I'd love for him to be the quarterback of my football team. I just like Zach Wilson more. I I look at Zach Wilson, and I think his high-end talent is greater than Trevor Lawrence. And I think he's got room to grow as a football player altogether. I mean, is there a chance you could back into the, a better player in Zach Wilson when I think the Jets absolutely would have taken Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick? And then you've got a ton of people debating back and forth about Justin Fields or Mac Jones at the number three spot, and there's no one whose opinion I, I respect more than Lewis Riddick, and Lewis Riddick had this to say about Mac Jones. Some very, very, very smart quarterback tutors and former offensive coordinators who coached at a very high level in the NFL have told me, they believe Mac Jones is the best quarterback in this draft. Not just one that needs to be in the mix or that deserves to be in the mix outside of Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, but they believe as though ultimately he's the best quarterback. Now, I would like to talk to some of those guys. I would like to talk to a guy that watches Mac Jones play, watches Trevor Lawrence play, watch Zach Wilson play, and is like, yeah, Mac Jones, give me that guy. Over Lawrence and over Zach Wilson? Because that's not happening. It's amazing to me even the amount of guff that Sam Darnold gets, not just in New York, not just from Jet fans, not just from maybe the New York media, but people around the country as a whole. And how they all, the, all they do is talk about the stats with Sam Darnold. He's the lowest rated this. He's the lowest rated that. He's the pro football focus this. He's the pro football focus that. Those same people, many of them, have no problem drafting Mac Jones third. And if, if you're that person, If you love the 49ers taking Mac Jones third, but you also think Sam Darnold stinks, I have to ask that question. How? How do their respective circumstances not in any way play into the lens you're looking at through? Sam Darnold against NFL defenses for three years. In the NFL, the best skill guy you had was Robbie Anderson, who was an undrafted free agent from Temple. Mac Jones for two years in college. Now, granted, it's the SEC, but it's still college defenses. He was throwing the ball to four first-round picks. But Sam Darnold stinks and Mac Jones is all that? You're telling me if Sam Darnold spent the last two years playing for Alabama, throwing a four first-round picks, you wouldn't think he was pretty good and you wouldn't be drafting him at the top of this draft? Of course you would. Would Sam Darnold have put up the same numbers, if not better, at Alabama for the last two years that Mac Jones put up? Of course he would. You throw a Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. What quarterback isn't going to look good doing that? And oh, by the way, if you need to just turn the ball around and hand it off to Najee Harris or the guy that's going to you know, probably be a borderline first, if not second round pick, he's running for you behind you. Or he's available as a check down. So it's amazing to me that a little more perspective is not lent to how we look at these guys. 
Can you tell me Mac Jones? You know, compared to Sam Darnold, it's similar circumstances, but Sam Darnold stinks and Mac Jones will be the third pick of the draft. <laughs> Let's go to Glenn in Texas, joins us next year on ESPN Radio, Bob Shoes and sitting in for Greeny. Hey, Glenn. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Good. Hey, I was wondering if you were the Arizona Cardinals and you just shored up your running back position, you've worked on defense during free agency, would you possibly move up and grab Pitts so that Kyle has somebody else to throw to? Who do you want to move up and get? Sorry, I lost you there for a second. Oh, the tight end, Pitts. You want to go up Kyle and get Pitts? Pitts. Yeah, what, what are you giving up to go get him? That's uh, a long first, way to jump. I mean, this is not like the, like Mel Kuyper's you know, uh, draft prognosis was uh, the Dolphins may be going from six back up to four. And a few years ago, when the Jets went up from six to three to get Sam Darnold, they gave up three number twos just to move up three spots. What are you giving up if you're the Cardinals to go all the way up and get Kyle Pitts if you think you have to go up and get him at, say, four, five, or six? Because that's a big jump. I guess we lost Glenn. I was going to see what his, pos- what his possible uh, trade move was to go all the way up and get uh, Kyle Pitts. I-, I don't see anyone having the firepower past, say, like the 12th or 13th pick to move up, say, in the top four or five to go get a Kyle Pitts. Or if, like the Patriots are a very interesting team. Everyone keeps looking at New England moving from 15 up into the top 10 if one of the quarterbacks drops, would Justin Fields, would Trey Lance drop that far? So that, to me, is a more realistic move than the Cardinals moving up to get Kyle Pitts and giving up what they would have to give up. They'd have to give up quarterback compensation to go up and get Kyle Pitts. As good as he think, I think he is, I don't think that that is what they would do. Telephone numbers, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Bobble Shoes and in for Greeny. Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Bob Shoes and in for Greeny. It is Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. Triple eight, say ESPN, triple eight, seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. Some other topics we'll bring up top of the next hour, but right now we've got a bunch of calls the NFL draft seems to be dominating the whole country in terms of sports talk radio, and why not? Let's talk to Donovan in Virginia. He joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, Donovan. Hey, what's going on, man? How are I you? I think the player that's on the same. I'm doing all right. You know what I'm saying? It's a beautiful day. I'm getting some money for it. There you no go. Good. <laughs> but I think the person that has the same Hall of Fame talent as Kyle Pitts is Jamar Chase. 
because a lot of people forget he played with Justin Jefferson, and people say that he's better than Justin Jefferson. And plus, he's an LSU receiver. You got Dwayne Bowe, Jarvis Ramsey, Odell Beckham. I think he might go to the Dolphins to help Tua, man. And that's all I got, man. You're right. That's very possible. I think Jamar Chase could be really, really good. Um, normally, I am not a big fan of taking a wide receiver that high. I think what the last several years has shown you is you can get really good wide receivers later in the draft. But if you're that sold on Jamar Chase, you're the Dolphins, you take him. Let's go to Greg in Iowa joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, Greg. Hey, how you doing today? Good. Hey, I just think uh, the Cowboys are still at 10 and they don't trade out of that pick to go down and try to supplement that defense some way. It's a mistake on their part. I mean, at 10, I think you have your choice of defensive player. I think there won't probably be one off the board at that point. But if you can get Sertan at 10, you can get Horn at 15 or 17, wherever it is. I mean, that's the way to go, but you can get that further down. I think that's probably the most likely scenario for them. I think you nailed it. I think that's probably their most likely scenario. Now, again, if a Kyle Pitts is there, that brings that argument into play, right? We've got Kyle Pitts, and I'm just picking a number out of thin air if you're the Cowboys. We've got Kyle Pitts as the, behind Trevor Lawrence as the second-best player in the draft, and he's there at 10. What do we do? You might take him. You might feel like you're compelled to take him. He is so good. He's so much better than anybody that's available at 10 should ever be. We're compelled to take him. But you're probably thinking that the rest of the NFL thinks the same way that you think, that he's that good, and he's not going to be there at 10 because you're going to get to the teams that have already asked and answered their quarterback question, at least for the time being. If you're Carolina and you just traded for Sam Darnold and you just invested enough draft capital to at least send the message that for this year and next year, Sam Darnold's going to get a puncher's chance to go out there, resurrect his career, and be your quarterback, and Kyle Pitts is sitting there and you've got the eighth pick, you probably take him there. And you give Sam Darnold that huge Hall of Fame potential level weapon. So I think the Cowboys are probably in their draft room saying, unless we are going to, you know, we're so compelled to get a guy like Pitts, we're going to go make a trade, which I don't think they're going to do, they're probably not worried about having to make that decision. They're probably not sitting there saying, by the time we get to 10, we're not going to have to worry if Kyle Pitts is an option for us. We're not going to get criticized if we don't take him. People aren't going to throw you know, uh, you know, insults our way for taking him and ignoring our defense because he's going to be gone. And we can go out and take a Sertan or a J.C. Horn or someone at 10 that would be that shutdown corner. I would think that probably will play out for them. Triple eight, say ESPN, triple eight, seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. Colton is calling from Alaska and he joins us next early morning for Colton on ESPN radio. Hey, Colton. Hey, Bob. How's it going? Good. Hey, I was just curious if uh, you're the Giants and Rashawn Slater or Devontae Smith are there at 11, even though you signed Kenny Galladay, uh, are you thinking about taking Smith, or are you going with Slater, or do you think both those guys are going to be gone, or what are your thoughts there? If those two – I'll play your game. Do I think both of those guys are going to be available at 11? I think at least one, if not both, will be gone. But let's play your game and say they're both available. I would take the tackle. That would be me. I mean, I think Devontae Smith's going to be very, very good. Um, I do think if you need another wide receiver, and I think the Giants can make an argument they would like to add another wide receiver later in the draft, I think because you spent all that money on Galladay and you also have two other receivers that are, I think, at least legit two, if not threes, to go with Galladay, 
you're you're adding if you put Devontae Smith into that mix, you're adding to what for you is already for the most part a checked box. They, I think, could absolutely use the help on the offensive line for Daniel Jones before giving him another wide receiver. So if those two guys are there, if I'm the Giants, I would take I would take the tackle. That would be me. Eric in Iowa joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, Eric. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, I like the Super Bowl contenders, Tennessee Titans, this year. Um, I got good uh, feelings about them. A.J. Brown's a Hall of Famer. I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, Derrick Henry, obviously, is our corner piece. Um, I see we got pick number 22. Uh, we're looking at the corner out of Northwestern. Who would yep. you pick, and uh, what would you do in that uh, spot? If, uh, that, is, that would be a fine pick for me. Um, I, mean, I think he's a really good player. Uh, you know, losing, I guess you're not really worried about losing Corey Davis. You don't think that that's that much of a blow to your offense that you can make that loss up with the guys you already have. Right. Sorry, Eric, go ahead. No, yeah, I'm just listening. Yep. So you think you're good without Corey Davis. I mean, obviously that you lost a pretty good receiver in free agency. If say, you know, the, the receiver from Minnesota dropped all the way down there. That might be a consideration to replace Corey Davis as well. You could always look offensive line. You know, thanks for the call. Like in front of, in front of a running back like Derrick Henry, you can always look for offensive line as well. Bob Wachew's in Infragrini on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And, you know, we come up back to t- uh, kick off the next hour. I'm going to take a look at something that I think New York State – in particular with the Buffalo Bills, how they are envisioning having their stadium full when their season starts and what they're saying is going to be necessary to have their stadium full is going to now set up a debate all across the country as to how we get back to normal, sports just being one example of that, and what states are going to require. I got my own thoughts about it when we come back for hour number two. Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.